Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac, Associate Advisor at Providence. As most of you may know, we do quarterly financial market reviews on this podcast. And in this episode, we will be reviewing how the markets did in the third quarter of 2023. Join with me today is Chun Xiong, who is our investment research analyst here at Providence. Hi Chun Xiong. Hi Isaac. Yeah, thanks for taking the time today to join us um, to share your insights. My pleasure. Okay, let's, so let's start with the market performance. How did financial markets perform in the past quarter? I will reference the MSCI All Country World IMI Index, which reflects holdings in large, mid and small cap companies in both developed and emerging markets, fell about 3.4% in quarter three. Even though July climbed by 3.82%, but August and September fell by 287 and 4.21% respectively. Oh, that being said, uh, our year-to-date performance for the MSCI All Country World IMI Index actually climbed 9.4%. Right, so it's not, it has not been a great quarter, the past quarter, but despite that, the markets are still up year-to-date. Yeah. So what are the major catalysts or events that moved the market in the third quarter? Why did markets react this way? The third quarter proved to be a challenging period for both equities and bond. In the equities market, the challenges arose from persistent inflation, this resulting in the heightened borrowing costs. Now, because of this high borrowing costs, it is a more difficult time for companies and this in turn lead to downward pressure in stock prices. On top of that, coupled with a deceleration in China's growth because the China is right now uh, facing a, uh, a deceleration in their growth in, in general and this is due to a um, less than rosy consumer sentiment and spending. This factor actually painted a more bleaker outlook for global demand, which again led to a, a downward reassessment of companies' anticipated future earnings and therefore a decline in stock prices. You mentioned that inflation is still persisting, but as we can see from the previous quarter and actually from the start of this year, we see that inflation has been trending downwards. So why is it that we're having talks of persistent inflation arising again? For the first two quarters, inflation rate has been moderating, but because of the higher, in fact, a, a sharp rise in oil prices, inflation is starting to show some resilience in, uh, in the third quarter. Now, in, in the last monetary policy meeting by the US Central Bank, they actually said that the current inflation rate, although moderated, it's still very far from their 2% target inflation rate. Again, in one of the uh, big meetings that... Uh, the US central bank had with other central banks, developed economy central banks, called the Jackson Hole meeting. The US central bank chairman, Jerome Powell, actually mentioned in the Jackson Hole meeting that looking at inflation rates path right now is like navigating by the stars under clouding skies. So what this means is that basically the stars are like the inflation going forward. But in between looking the, the US central bank and the, start, the inflation rate, there's a lot of unknown and uncertain uncertainties that unable them to actually accurately know what is going on. Now, to, to put this into perspective, 
just now I mentioned the rising oil price. The rising oil price obviously have a contribution to the inflation rate. But this is not just for the first month or the second month. In fact, studies have shown that a rising oil price or a falling oil price, these can actually have an effect in later inflation rate and because it takes time to permeate through the economy. And that's why inflation rate can be quite uncertain and this leads to the, infla- uh, the interest rate path being uncertain as well. So if the Fed keeps increasing interest rate to combat inflation, is there any risk to it? Like, will you cause the, you know, there are a lot of headlines about how if they keep interest rates, if they keep increasing interest rates or if they keep interest rates higher for longer, uh, it may cause uh, some economic damage, you know, even a recession. So what, what do you think of that? The target of the US Central Bank is not to crush the economy. In fact, they have two mandates. One is to maintain a stable inflation at about 2%, at the same time also a the lowest unemployment rate that they can do. But these two is in fact actually at conflict with each other. So why do I say so? Because rightfully, theoretically speaking, if you hike your interest rate and borrowing costs are higher, companies which face challenges with financials will be unable to borrow money at lower costs and therefore would probably hire less. Right. Now, are we seeing this in the economy right now though? Like we have seen elevated interest rates for a quite a period of time now. Are we seeing the economy showing any signs of weakness or a crash incoming? Well, in fact, actually, recently there's a release of a job data. Uh, I think it was at uh, it was only like two days ago, and actually, uh, what they've seen in US jobs actually there was a three hundred twenty three hundred twenty five thousand US jobs added in the US versus what was expected was half of that. In fact, it was actually quite mind-blowing that with this sharp rise in interest rate, the demand for labor is still very high. Now, uh, similar to what I mentioned to inflation, the rise, the sharp rise to in interest rate would probably take time to permeate through the economy before the companies are f- going to feel the effect. If I may just add, right? Um, so going back to your, your original question where you asked, right? The rising interest rate... Would it, have, uh, would it eventually lead to a recession? What this means is that the reason why the US central bank is rising interest rate is actually to, to curb inflation, which is a result of a, um, of a very strong economy. And therefore, inflation is actually quite high as a result. Now, this rising interest rate is not, again, to emphasize, it's not to crush the economy or make the economy go into recession, but to curb inflation in a strong economy. And therefore, that's right. when you are looking at the news now, you see talks of a soft landing because of the current situation that we are in. Right, so the economy is very strong and the Fed will feel that they have uh, more ammunition uh, to keep interest rate high or even hike it even further. Um, you know, especially you just mentioned that the job data came out really strong, um, you know, which would give the Fed you know, confidence that, you know, having, at least having rates at this point, um, there's still no signs of the, or rather, the economy don't look like it's it's cracking that much. La. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, so it's quite strange. So in the past, you know, when we receive uh, this kind of blowout job data numbers, uh, better than expected, it used to be good news. Uh, but recently, because 
uh, it's like bad news is good news and good news is bad news. You know, the good news is, oh, the US economy has created more jobs, but the stock market uh, see it as bad news because, you know, that will lead to the Fed having more confidence to keep rates higher for longer. In- interestingly, uh, the bad news for good news thing, for example, right, you would think that the release of the job data that I mentioned, it, uh, in fact, it, it come to, came to me that it was actually last Friday when this job data was released, right? The market actually went down a bit first, but eventually it, it bounced back up. Mm. So you may, the, the job data, would you would expect that because of the good news on a strong economy, it would mean that the Fed, Federal Reserve will actually hike rate and therefore the market will come down. But last Friday, what we are seeing was the other way. The market actually went up afterwards. So it was um, the unpredictability of market factor is still there. And it's difficult to actually, um, even on hindsight sometimes, it's actually difficult to p- pinpoint the sentiments of the market. Yeah, at any point in day, like the different sectors could go up and you know different characteristics of stocks will go up and down. Exactly. This is actually a very good transition to the next question, which is how did value stocks perform as compared to the index? Well, in quarter three, the value stocks actually performed better than the index because of its outperformance over the growth stocks. Why? Because of the rising interest rate and therefore rising yields, discount rate actually went up. And growth growth stocks are valued based on their projected f- uh, on their higher projected future earnings compared to f- value stocks. Now, these high, higher discount rates means that Companies with higher future earnings leads them to lower prices. And therefore, growth stocks actually feel more of an impact compared to value stocks. As a result, value actually outperformed. So what you mean is for growth stocks, their earnings are projected further out in the future. So with a higher discount rate, uh, we see that growth stocks uh, fell more and therefore value stocks did better than uh, the index um, the past quarter. Yeah. Okay, so how then did bonds perform relative to equities? Did bonds serve as a cushion to equities for the past quarter when markets were uh, trending downwards? On average, bonds fell in quarter three because of rising yield, but it is still less sensitive to negative sentiment in the market compared to equities. Our reference bond index, the Bloomberg Global Aggregate, fell 1.8%, while our reference equity index, MSCI All Country World Index fell about twice as much. I just wanted to uh, highlight that the dimensional fixed income actually outperformed the Bloomberg Global Aggregate, our reference bond index. In fact, our shorter duration fixed income dimensional funds actually had a positive return in quarter three. Now that's because the shorter fixed income duration allows them to capture the higher credit premium and allows them to be more insulated to the rising interest rate risk because shorter duration bonds are less sensitive to change in interest rates. Okay, so this will apply to a shorter duration bond across the board in general. I mean, uh, the longer duration bonds uh, were more interest rate sensitive, but we also see that the yield actually move at the uh, longer end of the curve, whereas for shorter term bonds, we see that actually it provided uh, quite a good cushion for equities. Yeah, that's correct. And on top of that, because our... Uh, the dimensional shorter duration bond fixed income fixed income actually have a higher weight in credit corporate bonds and therefore they are able to capture those credit premiums. 
Right, because corporate bonds are giving higher yield as compared to government bonds, uh, sovereign bonds. That's correct. Okay, great. Okay, so that's all for today. Thanks, Chun Xiong, for your time today. Thank you, Isaac. So uh, to all our listeners, that's all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed our 2023 third quarter market review. If you like this episode, follow our podcast and follow us on social media for similar contents. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any of use of the information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.